Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is May the 4th, it is 2018, and of course, it is Friday. And I thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've all had a great week. I hope things are well in your world. But things have certainly gone to the bizarre uh, where our government, where so many other issues that are of great concern to, our, to us are of concern. So um, it, it's good to be able to share this hour with you to try to see exactly where we are, where we are, and maybe try to figure out how in the world we got here uh, and where we go from here. You know, knowledge is power, and the purpose of my program is to provide you with the perspectives and the background on many of these topics, particularly where immigration national security are concerned, that the mainstream media refuses to discuss honestly, fairly, accurately, if at all. Um, and, and, you know, this is not a left-right issue. This isn't about conservatives versus the liberals or, or whatever. You know, I, I sometimes listen to or I watch these comments, or I read the comments on my articles at the front page, and people disparage one side or the other. You know, those liberals, those libertards, as they sometimes are referred to. Folks, both sides of the aisle are in on this. This isn't left-right. You have politicians from both parties who are determined to keep our borders wide open. They're doing the bit of the globalists that fund their campaigns. And as we're going to see this evening, many of those politicians are themselves inherently globalists. You have politicians who are immigration attorneys. And so if you look to motivation, both sides of the aisle are motivated motivated by everything but the law, everything but the demands and wishes of their constituents, uh, everything but that which should be common sense given the nature of the perilous era in which we find ourselves. Uh, I hope that my program is eye-opening. I hope it's thought-provoking, maybe infuriating. You know, if you ain't mad, you ain't paying attention, as the great late uh, Terry Anderson, the radio talk show host, used to roar. If you ain't mad, you ain't paying attention. And truly, um, it's just so hard not to be infuriated and enraged at the lunacy that's being foisted upon America and Americans by the media and by all too many politicians on the federal, state, and local level. So we're going to dig into that. And for those of you who are familiar with me, this is an old story. Those of you new to my program, I welcome you. But I am a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, now uh, an agency that was cut up, sliced, and diced by George W. Bush in creating DHS, an agency that was so dysfunctional I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. I know President Trump is trying to change things, but there's an awful lot of inertia, an awful lot of resistance, and you can see it. You see it in the lawsuits. You see it in the... Russia probe, you see it every which way, the attacks on the president coming at him from both sides of the aisle. How much clearer could the picture be? But we're not going to allow that foolishness get in the way of providing you with the information you need to be able to understand quite a bit of what's going on today. And through that understanding, I hope you will be able to come to the conclusion that you need to get your voices heard, that you need to share this information with as many of your friends, neighbors, colleagues, whatever, become part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. And it starts by going to my website, michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net, 
I also write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and The Social Contract. And then I try to do some TV appearances here and there. I've been told that next week uh, I will be probably on Newsmax, perhaps Fox Business. We'll see. Um, But it's about getting the information to you. And boy, oh boy, it is difficult to get to the truth when we talk about immigration, borders, national security. Um, So why don't we get right to it? And let's begin by, by looking at two articles that I wrote that were published within the past week. Both, by the way, um, on um, Front Page Magazine. Actually, I want to back up and and also take a a look at an article that I wrote a week earlier, uh, back in April, or a couple of weeks earlier. Because you read that, and then you look at at the the two follow-up articles, and then you start to understand just how bad things are and how crazy it is. You know, I was taught that necessity is the mother of invention. Or as some say, where there's a will, there's a way. My mother always used to say that to me, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, we've been attacked repeatedly by foreign nationals from other countries, a.k.a. also known as aliens. Not a bad word, a word that provides clarity. This is not about political correctness. It's about being Orwellian. Human beings think with words. So if we can alter the language, we can alter the thoughts and the thought processes. That's what it's about. Political correctness, my understanding at least, is that this is about not using words that insult or impugn people that are hurtful. The N-word, and we all know other words similar to it. Those are terrible words, and to not use those words is to be politically correct. The word alien is not a terrible word. So when you're saying, oh, we're being politically correct, you're giving credibility to our enemies. Stop it. Let's be clear. This is, there's nothing politically incorrect about using the word alien. That's a big lie that too many people have fallen for. It is Orwellian. By eliminating the word alien and calling everybody an immigrant, then if you dare suggest that we deport anybody, you're an anti-immigrant, racist, bigot, xenophobe, nativist, and we'll go down the list. That's why the word alien has been all but expunged from the vernacular in the immigration debate, unless we talk about the DREAM Act. The DREAMers, and everyone seems to have forgotten that certainly the media doesn't want you to remember this, is an acronym, and the A in DREAMers is alien, as in alien minors. Suddenly the word alien became acceptable if it could further this fake, bogus, dangerous agenda. DREAMers, the American dream, what could be more American than that? Screw Americans out of it, bring in illegal aliens, And let's ignore that we admit a million lawful immigrants every year. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitor aliens, non-immigrant aliens every year. See, they don't want you to remember that. So everyone's an immigrant, and if you suggest that if someone does something that's irritating, like commits murder or rape or Austin or sells drugs or shoots people, if you want that person to be kept out or deported, oh, you're anti-immigrant because the poor person's an immigrant. Maybe no papers, which is another lie, but he's an immigrant or she's an immigrant. So please stop saying politically correct and start using the word Orwellian, because that's really what this is, purely out of Orwell. So I wrote an article on April 19, 2018, Jihadis and Drug Cartel at Our Border. And in my article, I, I explained just how bad it is in Latin America that you have alien smugglers who are involved in bringing in jihadists, potentially. And, in fact, I mentioned one in particular in that piece. Please go to Front Page Mag. Please read these articles. And if you find that they are helpful, if you find that they open your eyes or cause you to think in a different way, I ask that you post them on social media, whether it's Facebook or whatever you do. I'm a techno-dinosaur. I don't do Facebook, and everyone screams at me, I know. I've got to learn how to do it and join the 21st century. Uh, But please, post it on Facebook or just email it to as many people as you can. Be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Because in my article, I talked about an individual by the name of Sharafat Ali Khan. And Sharafat Ali Khan was a Pakistani who came to the United States. I'm sorry, came to Latin America and set up shop in Brazil and then started smuggling aliens from the Middle East through Brazil into Mexico, and subsequently into the United States. 
Now, what's concerning about Brazil is there are terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil, camps being run by Hezbollah and Hamas, those are clients of Iran. Now, why Iran is so important now is because President Trump, it would seem, is likely to not renew the nuclear deal. There's great concerns and hand-wringing and, oh, my goodness, and understandably, that if the president does not continue that deal, that Iran's sleeper agents, there's a word we haven't heard in a while, sleeper agents who have embedded themselves throughout the United States, possibly thousands of them, will be called into action to start carrying out terror attacks throughout the United States of America, blowing up malls, mowing people down with cars, shooting, knifing, whatever, setting off bombs. Very real threat. So we know that we have aliens being smuggled in. This guy, Sharafat Ali Khan, uh, was, was prosecuted successfully. But how many more are there? You know, you see someone get pulled over for speeding, or you read about a bank robber. How many fugitives are out there that haven't been identified or caught, therefore? So we don't know how many more people are doing it, but we know it's a threat. So you look at that situation, and if you read the article, it goes into quite a bit of detail about that. And then here's something that's interesting. On April 17th, Two days before I wrote the article, and, and I, I have a confession, I didn't know about the hearing, and I didn't write the article on the 17th, on the 19th rather, I wrote it several days earlier, and then it takes a few days to be published. But two days before my article was published over at front page, Peter King, who chairs the House Homeland Security Committee, over, uh, Oversight Committee on Homeland Security in the House of Representatives, held a hearing with the title state sponsors of terrorism, an examination of Iran's global terrorism network. And the hearing focused on sleepers. And the official website begins with this paragraph. Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism, continues to invest in proxy terrorist and militant organizations that threaten the homeland and U.S. interests and engage in activities that impede U.S. counterterrorism goals. This hearing will examine trends in Iran's external operations and capabilities and consider the near-term and long-term security implications of Iranian support for Shia militants and terrorist groups operating in the Middle East, Afghanistan, and Latin America. And so here's this concern about what is Iran doing. And if you read the article, you will see that there is a discussion about sleeper agents. And in fact, that hearing was reported on in a website, a news organization, the Washington Free Beacon, and the headline of this article that reported on the hearing is this, Iranian-backed sleeper cell militants hibernating in U.S. positioned for attack, and the subtitle, Iranian militants poised to attack U.S. homeland. Now, you might think, oh my gosh, when did this start happening? This is not a news bulletin, folks. This is my anger and frustration. Uh, I've testified before, I think we're now up to 17 congressional hearings in the House and in the United States Senate. And I can tell you that five years ago when I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, I raised the issue of sleeper agents, sleeper cells, and how they pose a threat to the homeland, to American citizens throughout the United States, five years ago. I can tell you that in May of 2005, that's almost exactly 13 years ago. I testified before a, a congressional hearing in the House of Representatives where, again, I raised the issue of sleeper cells. I've been raising this issue, but I'm not alone in it. In fact, when I testified about sleeper cells in May of 2005, I quoted none other than the infamous Mueller who at the time had been the, was the head of the FBI. And he had testified about his concerns about sleeper cells and sleeper agents. So now I, I want you to all understand what is going on here. All we keep getting from Congress are hearings. No action. No action. In fact, I would argue that everything our government has done since 9-11, where immigration is concerned, has made our country incredibly more 
vulnerable to terrorism. And what's the proof of it? Have there been terrorist attacks since 9-11? You're damn right there have been. You're damn right. And how many attacks didn't work because the terrorist was an idiot or we just got lucky or because our guys stopped them? Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, came to the United States from Pakistan and in 2010 set off a car bomb in an SUV in Times Square. Fortunately, a street vendor saw the smoldering vehicle, ran to the police. They cordoned off the area and they that either was about to blow up or was fizzling. I'm not sure what the story was, but if this guy had succeeded, I don't even want to imagine how many people might have been killed by a bomb packed into an SUV in the middle of Times Square. Think of how congested Times Square is. Now, what's remarkable, our delusional media and our lying politicians referred to Faisal Shahzad as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. What does that even mean? Homegrown by what standard? To my Cutler world, my thinking, homegrown means born in the United States. Faisal Shahzad came to the United States from his native Pakistan with a student visa at the age of 20. And even Ray Kelly, who at the time was the New York City Police Commissioner, not a dummy, and the NYPD, I would argue, is the most sophisticated police department in the world. They have detectives stationed all over the world gathering intelligence, not unlike the CIA, because after 9-11, there was a recognition of the fact that the federal government wasn't sharing vital information with us. And New York is clearly the number one target for these dirtbag terrorists, so the police commissioner said, we're going to put our people all over the world. We're not going to wait for the federal government to warn us. And remember, New York bore the brunt of the attack on 9-11. The towers came down, and most of the casualties took place here in, in New York City. Of course, we lost wonderful people in the, in the field in Pennsylvania when that airliner came down, and one airplane went into the Pentagon. But the greatest number of casualties and the greatest devastation occurred in lower Manhattan just blocks away from the financial district, uh, the economic center of the United States. And, in fact, the World Trade Center, uh, think of the name. So very sophisticated department. Ray Kelly, the commissioner, had also previously been the customs commissioner. He was a member of the Marine Corps. Uh, I met him when I was in the green room at Fox doing an interview right after he did. No dummy. No dummy, but he was co-opted, apparently. Because Ray Kelly described Faisal Sazad in a newspaper interview as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. How can someone who comes to the United States as an adult on a student visa be categorized as homegrown? And Faisal Shahzad gets married, gets a green card, becomes a United States citizen, and then sets off the bomb, and at his sentencing the judge was incredulous. She said, you know, you just became a citizen within the last year, which, by the way, calls into question the way the investigation was done, because by law, the government is supposed to conduct a good moral character investigation. It's not enough that you have been convicted of crimes, but that you're of good moral character. And I've discussed this on previous programs. Now, what does that mean? Well, for example, if you go out as an agent and you knock on a door and you say, hey, this guy Faisal Shahzad, is he a good guy or a bad guy? And the neighbor says, well, he's okay, but he has this habit of beating the snot out of his wife when he gets drunk. If you get enough neighbors that corroborate it so there's no doubt that it's true, that guy's not going to naturalize because although he didn't do any jail time, maybe never arrested, the fact that we have eyewitnesses who can substantiate that this guy is a wife beater, he's done. He's done. He's a vicious father. He beats his kids. One day he threw the kid's pet dog out the window, and the poor dog broke both of, two of his legs. And Forget it. You're not becoming a citizen. That's not good moral character. We're lucky that they do fingerprinting. That goes back to the Clinton administration and Citizenship USA. So we push these applications through. They run a name, if we're lucky, in a computer database. And by the way, think about this. No one talks about it. If someone has a name in a different alphabet, Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, Hebrew, whatever, Farsi, Urdu. They don't use the same alphabet. It's easy to make a mistake in running the name because sometimes there's a different way of spelling the same name. Uh, think about how we spell Hanukkah, the Jewish holiday, the Festival of Lights. Is it C-H-A or is it H-A? Does it have one N or two Ns? 
All you have to do is throw it off by one letter, and you get a different search result. So it's hardly a foolproof system. And if the fingerprints aren't on file or there's a mistake with that, the person is in. And we give them a U.S. passport, and most terrorists want the U.S. passport because it facilitates their travel around the world so they can conduct meetings, do fundraising, do training, and ultimately carry out an attack and maybe have an escape route. And we hand out those U.S. passports almost like nothing. And we've seen it time and time and time again. So Faisal Shahzad, Times Square bomber, luckily didn't kill anyone, but we admitted him. That's why it's not just the Mexican border. So much emphasis on the wall on the border. I, I look at the responses to my articles, and no matter what I write, the same responses. How tall should the wall be? Should it be this color or that color? What, what, the wall, the wall, the wall. All what people want to talk about is the wall. So let me be clear. If we had the deflector shield off the Starship Enterprise and installed it on the Mexican border so that even mosquitoes couldn't get across, 9-11 would have happened exactly the way it did. The Boston Marathon bombing would have happened. The, the San Bernardino terror attack, all those would have happened. None of those terrorists ran our borders. They entered through ports of entry and violated our immigration laws. Some of them, like the Tsarnaev family, lied on their visa applications, and they lied about political asylum. So understand, it's not just the Mexican border. And, and someone commented on my article at the front page, we don't want to hire more ICE agents. Government is too big. Let's shrink the government. Well, great. So we'll shrink the government, and how many police officers should New York have? We have 37,000, which is a reduction from what had been over 40,000, and everyone was wringing their hands. Right now, we have 6,000 ICE agents for the entire United States of America, and more than half of them are doing customs investigation or providing protection along with Secret Service, helping Secret Service out. If we're lucky, we have 3,000 ICE agents for the entire United States of America, 3,000. We have 20,000 Border Patrol agents, 45,000 people at TSA, 37,000 thousand New York City police officers just for the little city of New York geographically it's a small area and for the entire United States of America including Alaska, Canada and U.S. possessions we have 3,000 ICE agents it's an absurdity and if you read the 9-11 commission report and I provide a testimony to the 9-11 commission immigration, immigration and immigration were the three biggest failures that enabled 9-11 to happen. And what are we doing about it? Should we build a wall? Absolutely. And we can see why. Look at the craziness going on on the Mexican border. That is an organized attempt to overwhelm the system. Overwhelm the system. There's a backlog of a million applications. And what you don't know and what the media doesn't talk about, but I know because I spent the years in adjudications officer, you can approve an application in under 30 minutes, probably 20 minutes. A denial usually takes days. You have to have legal sufficiency. You have to gather evidence. You have to write a formal denial, and it has to be checked for legal sufficiency. And you may most likely need an agent to go out to conduct a field investigation. Well, they don't have the agents to do it. So how in the world do you write a viable denial Usually the easiest way to dispose of an application is to approve the application. And what does the 9-11 Commission tell us about immigration fraud, which is what happens when someone lies on, on an immigration application? Well, immigration fraud was the key failure. Let, let me read this to you. This is on page 54 of the report that's entitled 9-11 um, Terrorist Travel. This is written by the 9-11 Commission staff. These are the lawyers and the federal uh, agents who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. This report is an official government report printed by the U.S. Government Printing Office. And in my articles, I provide links to this report and to the official 9-11 report. So we're not talking about a supermarket tabloid. This isn't something published by, by who knows what. This was published by the United States government in addition to the 9-11 Commission report. Think of it as, a, as an appendix, if you will, how the terrorists traveled and embedded themselves. So page 54 of this official report says the following. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, 
and realized they didn't just look at the 9-11 hijackers. They went back a decade to see what, what was missed that might have prevented 9-11 in the first place. They did a retrospective investigation. So let me read this again. Although that there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators, that is to say the terrorists, mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. What impact does a border wall have, folks, on aliens coming in through an international airport? And the answer, of course, is absolutely zero. No impact, not even a little bit, not even a teeny tiny bit. It's irrelevant. We need to secure the border because we know what's going on in Latin America, and, and that's important. But by itself, that won't solve the problem, okay? And we only have 3,000 ICE agents by design, and we'll get to that. But you have many members of Congress that will not vote for a single additional immigration agent, not one, knowing full well that we could wind up with an atom bomb going off in a, New York, in, in, in a major city or a biological attack. They don't care. They will not hire immigration agents. And they know what they're doing. They absolutely have to know what they're doing. This is by design. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But first, if I have your attention, here's what they said. They, diverted, they, they subverted the illegal entry system by inter, entering at international airports, and in so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, remember what I said about fake names, and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, think of the Tsarnaevs, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. Guess what? Those tactics are still being used. They're still being used right now, and they will be used forever and always. And you're probably saying to yourself, what the hell are we doing? Why would anybody in Congress not want to stop illegal immigration? Well, the answer is they are so focused on wealth so focused on their own personal conflicts of interest that they, frankly, are incapable of doing that which is vital for the survival of America. That's what we're talking about. You have members of the United States Congress who are immigration lawyers. So when they see all those people massing on the border, you know what they see? I see a threat to national security. I see a threat to the lives of Americans. I see a threat to the lives of people living within ethnic immigrant communities. I see all kinds of threats. I see a threat to our educational system that's being overwhelmed. And on that topic, two points to be made. Early intervention can make all the difference in the world for a child who has a learning disability. My own son benefited tremendously from that. He's graduating with a degree in engineering, and he has autism. can't tell you how proud I am. Early intervention made the difference. But increasingly, money is being diverted from these programs to help American children who have learning disabilities to pay for English as a second language. Ten years ago, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate a child who can't speak, read, or write English over a child who can. And the Center for Immigration Studies, a while back, did a study, and they came up with the astonishing figure that one in five households in America don't speak English, which brings me to the second problem this creates for the educational system and for our perceptions of the system. How many times did the lying politicians, forgive the redundancy, the liars in, in political office say, oh, we need to bring in the world's best and brightest. Our schools are doing a crappy job. Well, our schools are doing a crappy job, but our kids are succeeding anyway. But then they say, well, Look at those reading scores. Look at those math and science scores. The American kids, oh, we, we come in, you know, 23rd, you know, behind Latvia, whatever. I'm not trying to knock Latvia, but you understand the point. Well, that's another lie. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. Why do you think those reading scores, those math and science scores are, are low? I'll tell you why. 
because you have millions upon millions of kids in school who can't speak, read, or write English. So when they take those tests, remember, this is a, an average score. They throw all the numbers into the barrel, and they churn them around, and they come up with an average. So you have brilliant American kids that are running you know, 99 averages, but they're being mixed in with a population of kids from the third world that have a 34 average. So what do you think that does to the overall scores? Nobody ever thinks about that. It's like I, I didn't even think about it until a friend of mine, uh, also in law enforcement, said, Mike, why do you think homicide rates are down in New York? I said, less crime? He said, no, better medicine. People who would have died 15 years ago were being saved because the technology's gotten better. Never would have thought of it. Sometimes you have to step away and, and take a, a, a fresh look. Why are the reading scores and the math scores and the science scores in the toilet? Because we have so many millions of kids in school who can't speak English. What do you think their scores look like when they take those tests? So when they put it all together, the scores look lousy, and the globalists say, look at that, we've got to go to India because the American children are idiots. American children aren't idiots. We're idiots for listening to those thieves, liars, and crooks. Think about the false narrative that's being shoveled at us every single day. Think about the damage this is doing to America, to our children, to our grandchildren, to their future, to the future of the free world. Because waiting in the wings is China. And don't you for a heartbeat think that they're a trading partner. How they got most favorite trade status goes back to corrupt politicians. It's a communist country. Think of all the people that were doing this dance. Oh, we defeated Russia. The wicked witch is dead. Communism is finished. Really? Look at Cuba. Look at Venezuela. And you better look at China. And by the way, the Chinese president has now been declared the president for life. President my backside. Where I come from, if you're a leader for life, you're a dictator. And they're using social media and facial recognition technology so that if you jaywalk, if you say something that's not right, that doesn't rhyme with the company jingle, then you get social points taken away. And if you lose enough social points, guess what? You can't have a car. You can't get on a train. You can't get on an airplane. You can't own property. You can't send your child to the school that you want to. Basically, you're living in your own little prison, and you're going nowhere. And they're the ones that want to take control of the world, folks. Can you imagine, God forbid, if that happened? That's what this is. This is a battle for our existence, for our freedom. This isn't minor. It's not as though, well, if, if we don't do so well, it'll be England or France that'll take up the slack. No, no. If we don't do well, it's Russia, Iran, or China. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Which one do you want for your children or your grandchildren? That's exactly what we're talking about here. Believe me. This is a major battle. It's a battle for the survival of our way of life and for freedom. That's what's on the line. It couldn't be more significant. But the problem is that when those immigration lawyers in Congress look at that mass of aliens headed this way, they salivate because what do they see? Clientele. And if they can give them some kind of an immigration benefit and process them, that's work for lawyers. Wow, money, money. And if you go to the AILA, the American Immigration Lawyers Association website, they have a, a section. If you click on the link, it's immigration fraud. They just wrote about it. It's my latest article for Front Page uh, Magazine. Please go to Front Page Magazine and check out my article because this will blow your mind. This will absolutely blow your mind because the American Immigration Lawyers Association in my article, and, and the title of my article, by the way, is A Broken Immigration System and the Fix That Would Make It Much Worse. The American Immigration Lawyers Association addresses this issue of immigration fraud. And when I saw that link on that website for the immigration lawyers, and you have members of Congress who, are, who hold chair positions. Zoe Lofgren was the, uh, uh, the chair of the uh, House Immigration Subcommittee. Zoe Lofgren, think about that. Democrat. Bob Goodlatte, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is an immigration lawyer. So the problem that we have, and I, I don't know what his specific position is, and I know he's had hearings on this stuff, 
But hearings don't mean anything if there's no action. And even the hearings didn't go far enough. He did a couple of hearings about how aliens from Mexico, members of the cartel, had gamed the political asylum system and focused on the impact this has on the border of the United States. And that's wrong. Bob got it wrong. It's not just the border. It impacts the entire country. Fraud and the asylum program is why we had the Boston Marathon attack. Why are we limiting our concern to the border? Because they don't want to get people in other parts of the country upset. And by the way, according to published statistics, guess which city has the greatest number of illegal aliens? And you're probably wondering, is it San Diego? Is it El Paso, Texas? Where, where do you think the greatest number of illegal aliens are believed to reside right now? New York City. You see, it's not just about the border states. This is this mythology that's been created by both sides of the political aisle because they have an agenda, and the agenda is to not alarm people so we can have business as usual. Let's be blunt about what we're dealing with. So when you have politicians who are immigration lawyers and you go to the American Immigration Lawyers Association website and they said immigration fraud, I said, well, you know, lawyers are officers of the court. At least in theory, they're supposed to be concerned about truth and honesty and integrity. I know it's hard to associate that with lawyers. I know, I know, believe me. I, I, I can imagine 15 lawyer jokes just popping into my mind right now. But by the way, if you think that it's crazy that they would want truth and honesty, you're probably right. Because if you look at the website, when you click on the link that says immigration fraud, you would think it was cautionary, warning lawyers or warning potential clients of immigration lawyers that if you lie on an application, it's a felony and if that lie is committed in conjunction with terrorism, it may carry up to 25 years in jail. Serious felony. There aren't too many crimes in the federal code that can put you in jail for 25 years. Immigration fraud in conjunction with terrorism can. Interesting, isn't it? So you would think that maybe the immigration lawyers are, are warning people, don't mess around because this can be a big problem. Well, guess what? They don't even mention that. When you click on immigration fraud, believe it or not, when you go to that page, it doesn't even say immigration fraud. It says notario fraud. Notario is the Spanish word for notary public. They're called notarios. And in some countries, notarios are advisors. You go to them for legal advice much the way you would an attorney. So what's immigration fraud to the lawyers that don't want to lose any clients? Make damn sure that we push back against these notary publics and others who give advice to aliens about immigration matters but aren't lawyers. Now, yes, it's true. Lawyers are much more knowledgeable sometimes, maybe usually, than some guy with a storefront operation. And very often people get very bad advice, and it screws them up, and they wind up getting deported when perhaps they shouldn't be. So it is a concern. But more likely than not, the real concern isn't that, but the fact that lawyers aren't getting all the clients that they should be getting. And that's a bigger concern for the, uh, for the immigration lawyers who don't want to lose any clients. Understand that that's what the real problem is. Are we about to lose clientele who will go to these notaries and not come to the immigration lawyer? I don't know. But it's certainly more than a bit suspicious to me that, yes, I could see why they would warn people about notarios and say, look, go to a certified immigration lawyer. But if they're truly going to maintain their standing as officers of the court, why wouldn't they also say, by the way, don't be hoodwinked into marrying an alien for a green card because if it's a business deal, you're committing a felony or, or whatever. Address that aspect of immigration fraud. Don't claim political asylum if you don't really believe you're facing honest persecution in your own country because you're committing a crime. You would think. Not a word about that. Purely about aliens not going to immigration lawyers for advice. So do you really think that immigration lawyers want the immigration crisis to end? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's their bread and butter. 
They need that steady flow of clients coming across the border. And they don't want them deported because if they're here, ultimately they're going to have to go back to that lawyer for more help. And the more help they need, the more money the lawyers make. So when you have lawyers in Congress and they know that their friends are lawyers and they're getting campaign contributions from immigration lawyers, what do you think their goal is? To resolve the immigration crisis? stop illegals from coming into the country, have an economic hardship created for their brethren in immigration law, or maintain the status quo so that they can keep going out there and buying new cars and fancy homes and travel around the world and live the high life uh, by being paid for by these aliens who are coming into the United States by the boatload. That's why there's no immigration agents out there. Do you think the Chamber of Commerce wants immigration agents out there arresting illegal aliens, scaring off would-be illegals that are coming here to be exploited? That's why I wrote another article about how exploitation is not compassion. You know, people say to me, oh, don't you feel bad for those poor Mexicans? Don't you feel bad for those people from whatever country? Fill in the blank. Of course I do. Well, why wouldn't you want them to come and work here? Raid the factories the way I did. Most of those factories are moved out of the country, but there's enough here where it looks like a recreation of this triangle shirtwaist factory where that terrible fire took place over 100 years ago and killed a couple of hundred young women who weren't able to escape from the building. How many factories I raided where fire exits were blocked, where during the summer it was not unusual for the temperature to be well over 100, 110 degrees with steam coming out of the presses. You know, you felt like you landed in hell. The windows were barely open, and these filthy fans were were blaring full tilt, blowing dust and filth all over the place. But, of course, when you went into the owner, the the, the office of the owner, they had three air conditioners going and and wood paneling and deep carpeting and, and big screen TVs. But out on the factory floor, it looked like a damn slave ship. And so people say to me, well, you know, Mike, if they made E-Verify mandatory, this would solve the whole problem. That's another naive bit of thinking here, or lack of thinking. Do you really think that mandatory E-Verify is going to solve the problem? If you're sitting there listening to me, think about this. Here's a yes or a no question. Would simply passing E-Verify stop the employment of illegal aliens? Do you really believe that? If you believe that, then you believe that putting up speed signs by itself will stop people from speeding. Or putting up signs that say, don't drive drunk, will stop people from driving drunk. Or don't text while driving. No, of course not. It's beyond silly to think that way. But again, look at the comments to some of my articles. We need mandatory verify and the problem is solved. Not so quick. Here's the problem. If I would go onto a factory floor when I began my career, I, I did factory raids. Very often, you would see 200 people, or I'm picking a number out of a hat, let's say 200 people working in a factory, cramped, filthy, squalor conditions. And then you look at the time cards, and there's 35 time cards and 200 people working. What do you think is going on? Well, you've got a lot of people working off the books. Now, how do you know if people are being worked off the books? You have to do a field investigation, or you don't know. Simply saying E-Verify is mandatory is all well and good, but how do you back it up? You back it up by having enough agents knocking on enough doors, conducting enough investigations, and finding, and when appropriate, prosecuting employers who ignore the law and hire people off the books. So the people that are on the books, they run them through E-Verify. That's what they would do. And the people that are here illegally, they're paid cash, And that's the end of that, and no one sees them. They are an invisible workforce. Please understand that without agents to do the investigation, the system is easy to beat. Imagine if they told people, we don't do audits on tax returns. Think how many people would commit tax fraud. So what does the IRS do? The IRS, every year when we get close to April 15th, they go out and they conduct an operation where they lock up a bunch of tax cheats members of the clergy and school teachers and doctors and businessmen. Why? It's serving a notice on the rest of the population. I don't care where you work. I don't care what you do. If you try to cheat us out of money, we're going to find you and you're going to pay a price. 
But when you have politicians from both sides of the aisle saying, oh, there's just too many illegal aliens. Oh, well, they wouldn't say that. Undocumented immigrants. My goodness, what could we possibly do? We have no alternative but to give them legal status. So now the debate goes from should we enforce the law to should we give illegal aliens citizenship or be tough and really, boy, I'll tell you, we're nasty. We're just going to give them permission to work. Does anyone believe that this makes any sense? And by the way, if you don't do fraud investigations, this argument about whether or not these aliens are going to get citizenship is bogus anyway. Anybody out there know why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if they want citizenship, they'll just marry an American and maybe not even live with that person. But if you're not doing the field investigations, how will anyone know that it's a bogus marriage and the people just got married as a business deal? So whether or not we're going to give these people citizenship is a moot point. If they want citizenship, once they're here legally, they'll marry an American or they'll marry somebody with a green card, and then they become entitled to get U.S. citizenship anyway. But the Republicans will say, oh, we're tough. We're putting them on the back of the line. No citizenship for them. It's all meaningless. It's all gesture. It's all bluff and bluster and nonsense. It's blue smoke and it's mirrors. The average illegal alien who comes to the country illegally or violates that non-immigrant visa, the tourist visa, why are they here? To work. And both sides of the aisle can't wait to let them work. Oh, we'll collect their taxes. They'll do the work Americans won't do. Nonsense. So if you're sitting in your home country in Europe, Asia, Africa, Latin America, and you listen to the debate, the debate isn't am I going to be in trouble if I do it. It's will I get citizenship or, quote, unquote, only permission to work. If I go to America, I'll get what I want. I'm going to America. You see, it's a fake situation. The most important thing we could do to deter illegal immigration and protect us from sleeper agents is to have enough immigration agents. We should probably have as many immigration agents as New York City has police officers. And then you hear the argument. I heard it from Mike Chertoff when I was with him in California. Oh, where are you going to get the money to hire the immigration agents? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the United States of America. We have no problem spending $100 million on a fighter plane, one plane, and we buy thousands of planes or whatever. We don't have the money to hire 35,000 immigration agents and judges and support personnel. Are you serious? And if you look at the money we lose, the remittances, the money wired out of the country is hundreds of billions of dollars a year. That's money that's lost to our economy. We shrink the tax base because middle-class tax-paying American homeowners have been turned without any fault through no fault of their own into people living below the poverty line losing their homes to foreclosure. So instead of paying taxes and making purchases, they're relying on expensive safety net programs so they can subsist in some terrible apartment God knows where. You don't think that that costs us? The cost of crime. Do you know the cost of crime in Mexico is estimated at 21% of that country's GDP, the cost of crime. No one talks about the cost of crime in America, and lives are priceless. So the first thing Chertoff said to me was, do you know what that would cost? And I said to him, this is America. Are you serious? Are you serious? We had no problem paying for 45,000 TSA people. Why don't we pay for 45,000 ICE agents? Think about it. You know why we don't? Because the immigration lawyers in Congress from both political parties don't want that to happen. The people that bribe them and give them campaign contributions don't want that to happen. Are you serious? Do you think that they want people around the world to have the idea that if they come to America and they violate the law, they're going to face consequences? That's the last thing they want them to fear. They want them to feel that if they come here and violate the law, everyone is going to trip over themselves to give them everything they want. You name it, they're going to get it. We screw over the people that want to come legally because then they're entitled to good working conditions. Well, we don't need too many of those. But if we can bring people in and screw them over, we have a real problem in the United States today. And the problem is a level of corruption that we've never seen before even as we're being warned that terrorists 
have embedded themselves in the country. Even after you read the 9-11 Commission report, you know, that should be required reading for everybody who runs for public office in the United States. We've had more terrorist attacks. And now there's a very real concern, and I'll tell you what, I share that concern, that at any moment, Iran or Syria or some other country could make, send out a message to their people and tell them, tomorrow, get to work. And we pay one hell of a price. And yet, look at all of our expectations of freedom that have been stripped from us under the name of national security. Look at the nonsense with, with Facebook and all these other you know, private organizations and government. There is no Fourth Amendment. And they're all started with this notion that we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to protect ourselves. Well, folks, if we're going to protect ourselves, why in the world is our government not concerned with who is living among us? And it doesn't take that many terrorists to wreak havoc on the United States. Look at what just two brothers did at the Boston Marathon. Look at what that couple did at San Bernardino. And look at what 19 young men did to us on September 11, 2001. On 9-11, we wound up with more casualties than we suffered on December 7, 1941, and the death toll from 9-11 is not yet finished. First responders and others are still dying and still suffering because of the contaminants, the toxins they ingested when the towers came down. We're still spending billions of dollars on the Zadruga bill, the drugger was a first responder who died of cancer because of his exposure to the toxins. So we're still spending billions of dollars to care for people who were sickened when the towers collapsed in New York City. But we don't have the money to hire more agents. Of course not. Of course not. Because the immigration system isn't broken, folks. It is a delivery system. And it's the most efficient delivery system this side of FedEx and UPS. The whole point to the immigration system is to deliver an unlimited number of foreign workers, foreign tourists, and foreign students. And that's exactly what it's doing. And we all know the risks that we're creating. But yet, these globalists can't control themselves. I compare them to a malignancy. Cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. It surrounds itself with a network of blood vessels so it can bathe the nutrients and starve off the healthy tissue. And cancer is mindless, but boy, oh boy, it becomes, in a manner of speaking, the most efficient organ in its victim's body. And it does real well until it kills the victim and then it dies with its victim. The people that have an unlimited amount of greed, who want an unlimited amount of wealth, they want to bathe in opulence and wealth. Can't think beyond the fact that if you weaken America, and this certainly weakens America, that you could be destroying America. But they don't seem to care. They seem to think that they're above it all. They forget about their own families and the devastation they're causing and the suffering they're causing and how many Americans are living below the poverty line and how real earnings have plummeted. Yes, we're doing a bit better under President Trump. He's trying. I believe he is. But how many people are running interference against the president from both parties? Now, why do you think that is? They are doing it because they want open borders. Never mind that it may cause a terrorist attack. Never mind that thousands of people are dying every year because of opiate overdoses and because of violence, and much of the violence, drug-related, gang-related. What's more important to them is that they can make more money by having open borders. And that's all that motivates them. It is immoral. It is illegal. It is insane. But that doesn't stop the open borders immigration anarchists. And that's a problem. And it's a problem when you try to confront it, because if you look at what's happened with Donald Trump, I would argue that the biggest reason that he's being attacked every minute of every day from every angle is one issue, sovereignty. He wants it, and his enemies don't. 
He understands that our borders are our first and last line of defense. And to the globalists, and I've been told this by some of these bums, those borders of the United States are an impediment to great wealth. Their great wealth. And one of these nitwits has actually said to me, at the end of the day, everyone dies. What are you going to do? But that border, you've got to stop being an advocate for secure borders. They're getting in my way. America's borders were getting in this guy's way. Can you imagine? And I'm sure he'd be happy to step over the dead bodies that his policies would create and have created. And today, because of campaign contributions, the globalists are truly getting the best government money can buy. So when people tell you the immigration system is broken, no, it's not. When they tell you you can't arrest 11 million, well, there's two lies in that statement. We probably have 30 or 40 million, and you don't have to arrest them all any more than you don't arrest every shoplifter, and you don't arrest every speeder, and you don't go after everyone who texts and drives. You go after enough of them and convince everyone else that the odds are quite good that if you're stupid enough to violate the law, you will be caught and you will be made to pay a price. But the only way we can do that is by hiring enough immigration agents. And it's not just about arresting illegal aliens. It's about conducting investigations into employers who intentionally hire and exploit illegal aliens. It's about going after people who marry aliens for money. It's about going after the criminals. It's about using immigration authority to help with the investigations of transnational criminals and international terrorists. I know that for a fact. I did that job for many years over at the INS. And then you hear the lie, well, if police cooperated with, law, with immigration law enforcement, the informants wouldn't come forward. That's a lie, folks. Because one of my key responsibilities when I was assigned to DEA intelligence and when I was with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force was to use my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants. It's lie after lie. And if you think it's a left-right issue, well, let me tell you what. The Koch brothers have a program known as the Libre Initiative, the Koch brothers, the darlings of the right. And you know what the Libre Initiative is? They are pumping unknown millions of dollars into an advocacy program, the same way George Soros is, to legalize all of the dreamers. And it's unbelievable. I, I was talking to a former uh, agent, an old friend and an old colleague, and, and Tommy said to me, Mike, have you seen Popular Mechanics this month? I said, I didn't see the latest edition. He said, well, let me send you uh, the link to the article. Popular Mechanics is now advocating for the dreamers. And what's the bottom line? If we force these brilliant kids to go home, America is going to be made to pay a hell of a price. We're going to suffer. And they provide you with two or three examples of, of these kids that are graduating, you know, with honors in physics and science. They're just brilliant. But what they didn't talk about in the article is how many MS-13 members are there and the fact that this would be an open invitation to fraud and that aliens as old as 37 could participate if they claimed they came as children. And you have a judge, by the way, who's asking the president to prove why DACA is illegal because if he can't prove it's illegal, he has to continue it. DACA is not a law. By the way, the Popular Mechanics article called it a law. Think of that lie. It's lie after lie, and it's even happening in my cherished science magazines that I thought would stick to science. Everywhere you turn, what we wind up with is propaganda, and the propaganda is being paid for by the gazillionaires on both sides of the issue, both sides of the, of the political issue, but not on both sides of this issue, because there is only one side to this issue. It's the globalists against the average American. But there are many more Americans than there are globalists. And that's why it's so important that as Americans we get involved. That's why I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please get involved, folks. Go to my articles over at frontpagemag.com. The Social Contract, they just posted my uh, booklet called Immigration Fraud, Lies That Kill. I'll be putting out an email about it. Get involved, and I hope to see you again right here next week on the Michael Cutler Hour.
Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. See you next week. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.